Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Thank you for your prayers. We really appreciate that. We really appreciate that. And it's going to be a great time away. Um, and uh, yeah, hang around, have a, have a coffee after and uh, continue to chat. It is wonderful to gather together in the house of God, amen? Especially with a bit of sunshine. Uh, forgetting what happened last night, I've already been reminded a few times by some Crows fans, but there's much more important things than someone kicking a leather air conveyance through two large sticks. Isn't that right? Amen, Jesus' Name. Okay, <laughs> Revelation 2. Now, before I get there, do you wanna hear a couple of cool stories? So a couple of cool stories that, are, that I've heard just in the, last, in the last week and a half. As you know, um, we are a church, we're a local church, but with a vision to reach the nations for Jesus and to raise up disciples, raise up leaders, see people's lives transformed. Whether that happens under the name of Hills Baptist Church or anywhere, it's about Jesus being glorified. That is our heart. And uh, we've put together a podcast. Some of you may be already tracking with that. If you're not, I encourage you to do that. It's called The One Church Podcast. And um, it's basically an opportunity to have a conversation with a whole host of different church leaders, people doing different things, because we got really jack of hearing all the negative stories about the church. You know, there's the narrative that the church is dead in Australia and all that nonsense, because the church is very much alive and God is on the move and He promised that He would establish His church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So we wanted to celebrate those stories. And the last two weeks, I've heard two incredible stories. One of the guys I chatted with was a guy called Jake, who pastors a church called Sunday in Mount Barker. Uh, We had an awesome conversation just about what God's doing. And the local fruit and veg store owner, who is a Hindu, he uh, goes there to get his coffee. And because of that, somehow as algorithms work, it popped up on his feed. He said he and his family spent an hour, they put it on the television, the whole family, they watched the whole interview watched the whole thing. He went to that church the very next day to grab a coffee and he just said, Jake, I need to get to know this Jesus. How awesome. And so they've been attending Sunday. Jake just rung me up and he goes, bro, I just need to encourage you guys. This is so cool what God's doing. A Hindu family and coming to faith. Um, Awesome, praise God, that's what it's all about. And then just this week, I had another chat with someone else who I'd interviewed, a conversation we had with Danny Guglamucci, and uh, he had a whole bunch of pastors in Victoria who were struggling with a whole host of things around leadership and governance and um, some issues within their churches, and they got onto it, they rung him, they invited him over, he ended up spending a week there helping them navigate a whole variety of situations. And the church over there is much healthier because of it. So this is why we do this stuff. So if you see this stuff out there and you're like, why are we spending time doing that? Because some people think, oh, we should just be, you know, just here, just loving people. Actually, we're called to love the church. And so that's why we're investing in the broader church that we would see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed, amen? So it's really exciting what God's doing in that space. Right, Revelation 2. We started a little series a couple of weeks ago called Lean In. 
And we talked about we were gonna launch our big vision for 2024. We were gonna prepare the, the picture of what God's doing as one church and the building project that we're gonna have coming up in Mount Barker. We're gonna really launch into that, but felt like God said, no, I want you to pause I want you to put all of that on the back burner. I want you simply to come to me, the Stonerzel. Who remembers the Stonerzel? Some of you got to go back and watch that, but wait on the Stonerzel, wait on the stone that shows the way. Wait on Christ, rest in Him, lean in to Him and He's the one who's gonna guide our steps. He's the one who's gonna direct our steps. So we talked about that and we just paused and I know you guys were blessed last week to have John Smith here. Um, as I was over at Lobie. And so today we come to the book of Revelation, chapter two, reading from verse one through seven. Context of the book of Revelation, there's a lot, there's a lot about Revelation and there's lots of different opinions about Revelation. But basically what happens is the Apostle John, so John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who wrote the book of John, he is now in his 90s. He's outlived all of the other disciples. He has been uh, persecuted. He's been boiled alive in a hot pot of oil and not died. And ultimately, it seems as if the, the Roman emperor at the time was like, well, how the, what are the heck are we gonna do with this bloke? We can't kill him. We'll ship him off to an island called Patmos, where it's effectively a slave uh, labour camp. So he's over there in his 90s, a father of the church, and Jesus comes to him. He says it's on the Lord's day. So it, Jesus comes and visits his beloved disciple, John, and he brings a message. And he brings a message about who he is. He brings a message for, for the churches and a message for the future. And it's really important we understand that the, the word that God brings is a, is a now and it's also a future. So there was a real church in Ephesus that this is a message to. It is, a, it is an in-season word to the Ephesian church, but it is also a message that prophetically speaks to the future church. And so there's a message in this for us that is just as important as it was for them 2,000 years ago. You with me? And so we come to the church of Ephesus and we'll look at them in a minute. But this is the word that Jesus speaks to the church through John. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken, everyone say forsaken, the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, would you speak? 
Holy Spirit, come and speak. You finish this and you say, whoever has ears to hear, Lord, would you give us ears to hear? Lord, we don't wanna be ignorant to the message that your spirit would bring through your word, your eternal word, your true and living word, which endures forever. Speak, Lord. Stir us up. I pray today for every heart here that is feeling dry, every heart that is growing cold to the things of God, to the, the purposes of Christ. Lord, would you breathe? I just pray today a refreshing move of your presence to touch our hearts. Fill your people again, we pray. That we would never see that first love forsaken, but rather a bright flame that burns with holy, reverent fear. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you are good. And we commit this preaching moment to you now. Let my words fall aside and may your word resonate and remain in our hearts. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. So many years ago, as a 19-year-old boy, I fell in love with a girl and her name is Jo. And she was 16. And we, we got together in probably December and uh, a couple of weeks after we got, well, I should preface, a few weeks before, I'd had this big long journey, right, where I'd sort of said, enough with girls, I'm not gonna chase girls anymore, I'm just after Jesus, like I'd had a real come to Jesus moment in my life. So I was forsaking all of that, I was like, Lord, the next girl that I'm with, I'm gonna marry. And so when we started dating, in my mind, I was in, like, I'm getting married, you know, we got together, she was 16, I'm praying over our future. It freaked her out, uh, you could get her to tell the story later. Uh, but perhaps the, a, a moment that perhaps freaked her out the most was probably, I don't know, maybe only two weeks after we'd been dating. And uh, we were at a friend's house and we were sitting there chatting. The friend walked out of the room and I think we were chatting about what we were gonna do for dinner because, you know, when you go out with someone and the opportunity to spend every waking moment with them is a great thing. And so you just always wanna have dinner together and... I was like, what are we gonna do for dinner? Are you gonna come to my house or we're gonna go to your house? And Joe's like, well, come to my house. And then I was like, well, I've been to your house a fair bit for dinner. And she goes, that's okay, they love you. What I heard was, I love you. And in that moment, I sort of paused, I had this like, Little David in my head was thinking, did that just happen? Did she say that? Yeah, great. Well, you're in, let's go for it. So I responded, I said, oh, like we're doing this here, great. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> to which she said, <laughs> she looked at me in that moment, like the colour kind of drained from her face. There was like this nervousness and this anxiousness where I could tell I'd got it wrong. <laughs> that that's not what she'd said. She'd said, they love you. And so she looks at me, she goes, ah. Oh. 
She goes, I really like you. <laughs> and in that moment, I like, I was like, oh, you idiot, what have you done? And I started, you know, freaking out, thinking, oh, how do I handle this? How do I respond to this? Now, what I'm about to tell you, for anyone who's dating a girl, please don't do what I did. <laughs> because what I did was I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I really like you. <laughs> and then Joe's like, did you just take back I love you? <laughs> and to this day, she will still, even this morning when I told her I was gonna tell this story, because that's what happens, you grow and you learn to tell your wife the stories you're gonna tell about your wife. To this day, she'll still mock me about it. There'll be all sorts of times where she'll be like, are you gonna take that one back as well? I have learned <laughs> never, never say I love you and then take it back. But here's the thing, we can laugh about it, we can joke about it, we can have some fun with it because Joe knew even then, she was like, she knew I was all in, right? Like words can be cheap, you can say stuff, you can even take stuff back. But at the end of the day, it's not about what you say, it's not about lip service, it's about the posture of your heart. And my heart was in, I was all in. I was like, I love this girl. I'm gonna marry this girl. We're gonna have a future together. And my heart was in that position. She just had to get there herself, which she did, praise God, hallelujah. You know, it's so, it's so easy for us to say certain things, but the evidence that those things are true and have meaning isn't just in what we say, but it's in the action that accompanies those things. We can say we believe something, but the evidence of belief is always a heart posture. And I find this fascinating when we look at this text that Jesus has a word for the Ephesian church and what He says is, hey, you might not have taken it back with your mouth, but you've taken it back in your hearts. That love has grown cold. That, that you have forsaken first love. And he comes to the Ephesian church and he says, you're doing all this awesome stuff. There's like a lot of great things happening right here, right now in this church community. And I wanna commend you for that. That stuff is good. But all of that is nothing if not for the one thing that actually matters, which is that your hearts are postured in reverence and awe and delight and joy and love for me. Action must flow out of revelation of who I am. You see, the Ephesian church is a really fascinating church. If you study the church of Ephesus in that first century context to which John was writing, it's an extraordinary church. You see, when Paul went there, Ephesus was effectively the New York City of the day, right? It is a metropolis, it is a booming city. It's one of the most influential cities in the world at that moment. And there's a whole lot, they call New York City Sin City, yeah? That's Ephesus. There's idol worship, there's cult prostitution, there's, there is a whole lot going in. It's the very centre of trade. Um, so there's cultures from all over the world coming into this one little 
city, well, not a little big city at the time. Like it's a bustling place and the gospel comes there and it's incredible. And Paul actually spends three years of his life ministering to Ephesus. He then raises up Timothy and he puts Timothy, his, his protege, his apprentice, and he puts Timothy and positions him in Ephesus to be Ephesus pastor. And so if you read the letter to the Ephesians and you read the story of the Ephesian church in the book of Acts and you read the letters to Timothy, you can learn something about the church in Ephesus. Like you can get the helicopter out and sit at a high level and actually learn something about what the issues were. Because Ephesus was birthed with a zeal for Christ, but there was a genuine concern and there was a genuine uh, issue that was happening where the culture was creeping in. And so it was easy for them to go from love, uh, but carry on a bit of, I'm gonna use the word licentious living. I said that word the other day in staff meeting and Ben Peters goes, what does that mean? It was great. It basically means liberal living. Like you're just doing whatever the heck you wanna do. The culture has infiltrated your way of life. And so there was that going on, but there was also all these false teachers because it was a hub, right? It was a central hub. So false teachers are coming in and teaching not sound doctrine. They're, they're telling lies about who Jesus is and they're trying to distort the truth of the Gospel. And so Paul, his message to the church of Ephesus and his message to Timothy is guard the good deposit. Like protect the church, protect the Gospel. Don't let false doctrine come in. Be strong in sound doctrine. Be strong in the truth. Know the truth. Have good, sound theology. Put good foundations in place. That was the message that came to the church of Ephesus. And it's like, they embraced that. They're like, yeah, we've got to do this. So it's fascinating to me that as you come to the book of Revelation, probably another 30 years on from the writings of the book of Ephesus and what was told in the book of Acts and the letters to Timothy, that it says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, that you've found them false, you've persevered and endured hardship for my name and you've not grown weary. It's like everything that I exhorted you to do through Paul, through Timothy, you've done, well done. You've guarded the good deposit. But... Something's gone wrong. In your zeal for doctrine, you've lost devotion. In fact, not lost, that's wrong. Left. Because the word here for forsaken is the Greek word, Jared, can you pop that up? Is the Greek word aphiemi. <laughs> that's my effort at saying that. And this word, it doesn't mean to have lost, it means to have left. And the message I think is that you can't, you can't lose Christ, but you can leave Him. There's those beautiful Scriptures, nothing can snatch you from His hand. 
You cannot lose Christ. You cannot one day be walking along and then He'll just disappear and be like, I'm hiding. (laughs) How we say things like, oh, I found Christ. No, you didn't. He found you. And you can't lose Him, but we can leave Him. And He's coming along and He's saying to them, hey, 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 something in your heart, you've left You've left me. You've left that first love. You've left devotion. You've left delight. You've become consumed with all these other things. But the one thing that I ask, the one thing that will actually sustain you, the one thing that will actually produce the fruit that I want, you're doing the works, but you've left the love. He's like, don't forsake this stuff. This stuff's really important, but return to this. Return to this, return to that beautiful first love. Don't take it back. Don't take it back. So I wanna this morning have a moment and just look at what do we do when first love fades? What do we do when first love fades? What is the message that Jesus brings? Because He doesn't just rebuke them. He then gives them this step, right? He says, this is, this is how to respond to this. How many of you know that there are seasons in life when first love fades a little bit? When, when things can, can grow dry? We say, I feel distant. You ever been there? I have. I've been there. We get so busy doing stuff and sometimes we're so busy doing stuff for God that we actually forget that He never asked us to do things for Him. He just invites us to partner with Him. That He is the one who does the work and He wants us, He invites us along for the journey and says, hey, you're a jar of clay. I'm the treasure that's gonna do the work. And the only way that you can have that treasure is by sitting with me and allowing me to be the one who fills you up and flows through you. Otherwise, you just, it's the first Corinthian stuff, a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. And I'm gonna be like honest, and I shared this with you recently, like a few months ago even for me. This was a word in season for me a few months ago where I felt like I was, I was tired, I'm doing lots of things for Jesus, but there was just, Something was not quite right. I felt dry and I felt like, God, where are you? What's going on? But I just realised that in my daily routines, my daily life, I'd like, I'm over here doing stuff for God and He's here being like, hello. (laughs) Did I ask you to do that? I don't wanna get to the end of my days and say, God, look what I did for you. And for Him to say, I didn't ask you to do any of that. I want to get to the end of my days and say, I loved you. And everything I did was an overflow of that position and posture before you. My heart never withdrew, but it was there with you. And so Jesus comes along and he says to them, Yet this I hold against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. What do we do when first love fades? The first thing he says, consider how far you were fallen. Another translation says this, remember. 
remember. Come back and remember. Remember where you were. Remember what I've done. And you know we're in the Bible. Psalm 103 verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. All through the Old Testament, especially in the first five books of the Bible, the message that constantly comes to Israel is what? Do not forget. Do not forget that I've done this. Don't forget Deuteronomy 8.11. Be careful not to forget the Lord. Even when Moses is there giving the big address to Israel, he's like, remember what God has done. Remember this, remember that, remember that, remember that. And he goes, but guess what? You're gonna forget. You're gonna forget and you're gonna go, look what our hands have done. And the nations are gonna come in and there's gonna be a judgment, but then you're gonna turn to the Lord. Remember, don't forget the Lord. To Joshua, he's like, hey, put a whole huge pile of stones up over and over and over again. Why? So you would remember, forget not the Lord and all His benefits. How many of you know that that word to them is true for us today? It is so easy for us to forget the Lord and all His benefits, to forget what He has done. We get so consumed with worry, with trouble, with vision even, with ideas, with a preferred possible future, with our own plans. We become consumed with our own thoughts. We actually forget that without the Lord, we're nothing. that we're here today and gone tomorrow, that we're dust that disappears. He goes, remember. Consider how far you have fallen. And then what? Repent. Colin Buchanan says it this way. Stop what you're doing and turn to Jesus. That's what repentance means. Stop what you're doing, turn around, turn to Jesus. Stop what you're doing, turn around, turn to Jesus. Repentance. Repentance is not a one-off act. We talk about this often in this church, but some churches make it out like repentance is just an emotional moment in church where I put my hand up and say, I wanna follow Jesus. No, repentance is a way of life. Repentance is a constant turning. It is a constant remembering and turning and turning our eyes upon Jesus. That's what repentance is. It's a lifestyle of the disciple. It's a lifestyle of the Christian that we would be living repentant lives. And then he says something fascinating. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. And here's where I got stuck for a moment. Because he's just, he's just celebrated what they were doing, but then said to them, but that's like, What is that if you've lost your first love? So he goes, you've forsaken your first love. So remember, repent and return to the things you did at first. I'm like, hang on, didn't you just say the things that they did at first weren't enough? Like, is this an earn love? Do I I strive and the love grows? I was like, what the heck is going on here? Do you ever get that when you read the Bible and you're just like, hang on, Lord. Can I encourage all of you here, when you get to those places, don't just go, oh, that's too hard and just carry on. How many of you love to do that? I do it. 
We like, we go, oh, I don't understand that. Don't do that. Sit with it. Sit with it. Sit in it and say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And here's what I realised he's saying. When he's saying, consider how far you've fallen. Remember how far you've fallen. Repent and return to the things you did at first. The things you did at first was remembering and repentance. The thing they did at first was remembering who Jesus was and living that lifestyle of repentance. If you do that, then the other things will come. Because when you study, I feel like preaching, when you study the book of Ephesians, when you study the book of Acts, when you study the the letters to Timothy, the, the exhortation that is constantly given is firstly a revelation of grace and a revelation of glory. The revelation of grace, the beginning of Ephesians, one of the most famous and often quoted is that whole the Ephesians 2, that you're saved by grace through faith. You were dead in your sin and transgression, but you have been made alive in Christ Jesus. He starts by, by reminding them of what Jesus has done. That's how the letter begins. The first few chapters are all about this is what Jesus has done. Don't forget. Don't forget who Jesus is. Remember the gift of God in Christ Jesus. The same with Timothy. He begins, he's like, Timothy, remember. Remember, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. He's not talking about a leadership gift. He's not talking about a spiritual gift of whatever would come, He is talking about faith. He's saying the reason you have faith, it was first in your mother Lois and faith has come to you. Fan it into flame, Timothy. Don't forget what Jesus has done. We need to remember. And that is an active thing. That is a doing. It is a doing. It It is a constant thing. We must actually fix our eyes on Jesus. If we don't fix our eyes on Him, our attention will go to all the other things. And here's what I've learned, that our attention determines our direction. You know, just last week I was following Hannah Hermel, the children's leader over at Lobethal, and I'm chatting away with her and she was looking at me and she walked straight into a door. It's one of the funniest things I'd seen in a very long time. I had a really good cackle about it. She wasn't hurt, so it was okay. But I was just in that moment, I was like, it's so true that our attention determines our direction. You ever been driving and you look out the window just at something and whoa, and I gotta come back. Anybody, be honest, Jesus sees you. (laughs) Where our eyes are, that's where our life is gonna go. Our attention determines our direction. We must intentionally attend to the cross. We must intentionally attend to the cross. This is why you come to church on a Sunday. This is why you open your Bibles during the week. This is why you meet with people during the week. Why why we've instigated huddles with our men, which will soon come to the church and I'm really excited about it. But the whole heart is that we would intentionally attend to the cross. It's why Spurge, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers says, I take a text and I make a beeline to the cross 
because all of Scripture points to Jesus and all that He has accomplished and all that He has done. And that's who we are and who we will always be. A church that points people to Jesus because the church is Jesus. And that is our intention and our purpose. That we would be a people who gaze upon all that Christ has done. And that actually requires effort to remember. It's not an effort to fan love into flame. It's not an effort to go, oh, I must do this so that then love will grow. No, as I look upon what Jesus has done at the cross, I cannot help but have affection grow. When was the last time you sat at the cross? When was the last time you woke up in the morning and you sat at the cross and you just, it doesn't have to be a physical cross, it's the metaphorical, spiritual, eternal cross that exists for all time, sorry. (laughs) When did you wake up and you just sat there and you said, thank you, Jesus? Now, this was advice that my old mentor, John Blanksby, gave me, I've shared this a few times in this church, but I'll never forget the day where I was talking and talking and talking with him and talking about how I just felt dry and I just felt like, you know, Jesus wasn't as bright as he used to be and what am I gonna do with my life and all of this stuff and I'll never forget the words he said. He goes, Dave, you just need to let Jesus love you. At the time I thought, you're a wacko, what's that even mean? What do you mean, John? Let Jesus love me. And then he said nothing else. And he said, you just go and sit there for a while at the cross. And he just disappeared. He goes, just sit there and say nothing. Let the Holy Spirit remind you who Jesus is and what he's done. I reckon he left me there for over an hour sitting there. As the hour went on, I just started to go through the Scriptures, just reading the Scriptures of the crucifixion, reading the stories of Jesus engaging the woman at the well and the way that he, he just grabbed people and he released them, set them free. Matthew, the tax collector, who he set free and turned into a disciple, a man who was on the fringes and chasing his own financial gain. And God said, no, not only are you, not only are you okay in me, but you're gonna be one of my key followers. You're gonna write a gospel. God can redeem anything in Christ. When was the last time we sat there and said, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the penalty of sin, for washing me clean in your blood. You have set me free truly from the curse of sin and death. When we sit there, when we wait there, love starts to grow, affection starts to grow because we remind ourselves that I can't, do this alone, that it doesn't matter how much money I have, it doesn't matter how many followers I have, it doesn't matter how successful I am, whether I've reached that pinnacle, where I've climbed that mountain, all of it will fade except for the grace of God, which has set me free from this temporal life of caught up in sin and death. Yeah. It's all meaningless, as they, Solomon said, meaningless, meaningless, except to be in the will of God, which is to be found in Christ. His death and His resurrection and the covering of His blood.
because in there is life. We've got to remember the cross, but more than remember what He did at the cross, we also have to turn our attention to eternity. It's about grace and glory. I think far too often we don't think about eternity enough. Yeah? It's, it's double-pronged because again, go to the book of Ephesians, go to the letters to Timothy, go to the book of Acts. There is this constant cross grace, but there's also look what's to come. Look what's to come. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 16. Paul writing to Timothy. First letter, he says, final charge, but you, man of God, you, Timothy, flee from all of this. We've talked about all the stuff. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. How? It's like, fight the good fight of it. How? Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in His own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to Him be the honour and might forever. Amen. There's something about fixing our eyes on the grace of God at the cross, but also on the glory of God in the heavenly throne room that floods our hearts with affection, that lights that flame of first love. There's something about thinking upon eternity. How often do you think upon eternity? Think upon, wow, eternity. Do you ever get there? Do you ever have those moments where you think about time and space and then your mind goes, Anyone? Jesus is outside of time and space. What does that even mean? How do I think of time without a Lydia button? (laughs) He's outside of it. He's beyond it. He's so much greater. He holds the entire heavens in the palm of His hand. He's the, this is what he says to John in Revelation. I love how he starts it, which is a clue to this stuff we're talking about because he goes, right there for what you have seen, the mystery. He goes, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He's like, I, I'm the beginning and the end. Don't forget that I am above it all and in it all. Yes, I entered and I died for you and I set you free, but I am coming again. Do you know that church? Do you know that He's coming again? He is coming back on the clouds of glory in righteousness. He's got the sword out of His mouth. He is the living Word and He's coming again to judge the living and the dead, to set all things right. Praise God. We're gonna think about, we're gonna remember Grace, but we also have to remember the truth of eternity. 
Listen to this quote from Isaac Watts. How divinely full of glory and pleasure shall that hour be when all the millions of mankind that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God shall meet together and stand around Him with every tongue and every heart full of joy and praise. How astonishing will be the glory and the joy of that day when all the saints shall join together in one common song of gratitude and love and of everlasting thankfulness to this Redeemer. With that unknown delight and inexpressible satisfaction shall all that are saved from the ruins of sin and hell address the Lamb that was slain and rejoice in His presence. Amen. Augustine said this, then they who are destined to die, us, need not be careful to inquire what death they are to die, but into what place death will usher them. We're so, we live in a world where we're obsessed with, with trying to stay young. I was even in the mirror the other day thinking, jeepers, the last couple of years haven't been kind to my face. The wrinkles are coming up, the hair's going great. Like we stress about trying to prolong these days, yes? There's probably trillions of dollars go into trying to prolong the days we have on earth. Guess what? You're all gonna die. Wow, that's morbid, David. It's true. You're all gonna die. The question is not being obsessed with trying to prolong it or inquire as to what death will I die, but where am I going? What place will death usher me? And if I know because of the finished work of Jesus, I have security and hope that my eternity is secure with Him on high, hallelujah. That changes everything. It shapes the way I live my life and it floods my heart with affection. The more I think about what He has done and what He will do, I'm like, I wanna live my life for you. Not because I have to, that that. Duty gets turned to devotion and joy. I can't preach a sermon without quoting C.S. Lewis, you know that. (laughs) Listen to this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. I'm gonna give you five seconds to think about that. And as you read it again, you are more than welcome to let out a big mmm. Because that's, amen. (laughs) We're called to be grace-sighted and glory-sighted. Have long vision. And as we have long vision, first love will begin to be fanned. the love of God will begin to well and swell in our hearts. Friends, let's never forget that 1 John 4, same author, what did he say? We love because Christ first loved us. What do we do when first love fades? Remember and repent. Turn to Jesus, fix your eyes on Him, focus on His love. Focus on all that He has done. Focus on all that He is going to do and have surety in it 
because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He is coming again. And in those two things, I promise you, no matter what's going on in life, you will know His nearness. Even in desperate times, even in difficult times, in hard times, you will know His nearness. Because when you see Him on that cross, you cannot wonder where He is in your cross. He is not unfamiliar with your suffering. He is right there with you. And He does not leave you without hope for He has prepared a heavenly place for each one of us. Sheree, can you come? And we're gonna close. And as we close, I wanna remind, well, just share with you, just as we were praying this morning, uh, there was a picture that really uh, came to mind of what I felt like would be worth sharing. And I was thinking about those wells. And there's many passages in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, where they would dig a well. And as they dug a well, living water would come up and it enabled them to live and create little communities and cities and all those things. And if ever an enemy wanted to move them on, get them out of the land, get them out of the place that God had given them, one of the things they would always do is they would come and fill up the well. They'd stop it up, they'd chuck it full of rocks, chuck it full of dirt, anything they could find. They'd just plug that well. And whenever God came and delivered and He brought the people back, the first thing they would do would be what? Dig up the well. Dig up the well. For where there's living water, there's life. I think as we remember and as we repent and we return to those habits, that's how we dig up the well. Does first love seem frail to you? Is your heart dry? Is your heart growing cold to the love of Christ? Dig up the well. It's not a works-based theology. It's about where our attention is, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And as we focus on Him, He floods our heart. The Holy Spirit will come and He'll flood our hearts with faith. It's what He does. He reminds us of everything Jesus did. And He delights in doing that. He's not far from any one of us. He's not. Even when He feels distant, He is not far from any one of us. He's He is good. Do you know that today? He is good and He is true. And I just wanna pray for everyone here today that you would know the nearness of Christ, the Holy Spirit would come and He would just begin to pull out some of those rocks, the rocks of anxiety, of stress, of expectations, of what I need to do, what I need to achieve, what life should look like. Just begin to dig it all up as you put your eyes on Christ and remember the cross. And remember eternity and allow His grace and His glory to flood your heart. So would you stand to your feet today?
If you're here today and you feel a little dry, I'd love to pray with you. If you feel a little distant, I'd love to pray with you. If you hear that message to the church of Ephesus, the works are there, the desire's there, but first love's fading a bit. I'd love to pray with you. So what we're gonna do right here, where we are right now, if you're there and saying, yeah, Lord, fill my heart, fan that flame of faith bright again. I wanna invite you just to put your hand just like this, just in that posture, just to say, yep, I wanna receive something of God. Help me to remember. Let me repent from chasing after all the stuff that's actually not that important. And let me return to that cross and eternity. Just say, hands out and say, Holy Spirit, remind me of who He is. Remind me of what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray over every person here. Let those who are thirsty come and drink and they will not thirst again because we drink from the well of Christ, the living one who was dead and behold, He is alive and He holds the keys of death and Hades. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Illuminate the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I really feel to pray for young parents right now, parents of young children, because it can be hard to remember when you've got one child pulling on your leg, another child throwing spaghetti across the room, another one screaming because someone pulled their hair. It can be tough. There's a constant noise. Lord, I thank You that You're in the noise. I thank You that You're in the noise. It's not about our works. It's about Your finished work. So I just pray, Lord, for just now a revelation of Your love and a filling and a... And a yeah, the fire to be lit again. Thank You, Lord Jesus. We love You, Lord. We praise You. We thank You. And Lord, we just close now with, with a prayer to the Ephesians, for the Ephesians. And we pray it over us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you might be filled with a love for Him, with a fire that says, I'm gonna follow Jesus with all of my days. Now unto Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to His power that it is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank You, Lord. Bless You, Lord. If you'd like prayer, if, if you're here and you'd like prayer, you wanna come forward and just have someone pray with you, I invite you to do that as we sing. And we'll have uh, elders in our prayer team. Can you guys come? We'll just spread around the room. We'd love to be there just to encourage you and to pray, yeah, that God will light that flame afresh today. In Jesus' Name, let's sing. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.